Thank you, choir. I love that piece of music because whenever I hear it sung in that arrangement by Mark Miller, uh, a friend I got to know in my last job, uh, I get to picture myself in his home in Plainfield, New Jersey. Mark is there with his husband and their two boys, and I know his two boys about this high, okay? So I imagine his two boys are now about this high. And I don't know if he's gathering pamphlets to have one of those talks with them yet or not, you know? But it might be close to that time, because I imagine in that house that Mark and Andrew are going to be careful about making sure that their sons know that they matter. Their sons know that they want them to be whole in this world. Their sons know that they care and love them, and that they will be open to conversation even when it may make them a little bit uncomfortable. Ever been in any of those conversations that are uncomfortable? And you kind of want, are they still talking? Why don't they just be quiet? I got it, got it. Well, I did not have the same experience that Kurt had on my birds and the bees talk with my mom. I was eight years old. My sister and my mom was a single mom at the time, and she brought out her college textbook that had human sexuality on it. 400 pages, flipped to the pictures section and said, this is it. I said, oh. Thank you, Mom. What's an eight-year-old to do? <laughs> said, I just wanted you to know. I said, okay, thanks. But I did know from my mom that I mattered, maybe not from that conversation, but in other ways, she let me know that I counted. And wouldn't it be lovely to have churches and families and schools and people in our lives that are for our wholeness and for their own wholeness that they don't leave out the parts that are uncomfortable to talk about, that they include in the conversation those things that they may not even want to be speaking about, but because they know that for you to be whole and for them to be whole, you have to have that conversation, that it's important, because they want you to know that God loves you and that you matter, that you matter. Well, this whole series from Glee and this whole series on the Psalms We've been walking through different psalms each Sunday, and we've been asking questions of how each of these relate to how communities grow, how communities form, because it's not just single-handedly one person or even one family, but how do we do this as a whole group? And so on the first Sunday, we looked at the first stage of communities when they first get together, and they don't know each other yet, and they don't even trust each other yet. They might even pretend that everyone agrees on everything, just so it's nice and harmonious. That's how we are when we first get together sometimes, because we don't know if it's safe yet to be vulnerable and tell people who we are. And so on that first Sunday, we used the Psalm 23 that some of us can quote by heart, you know? But maybe we don't really understand the words, because they're about trust. But we can quote it by heart for a group of community-building people who haven't yet taken the first step. What does it mean to trust in all things that God will be there? and all things, even the valley of the shadow, that God will be there. So we started off right there at the very beginning. The next week, we looked at Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, one of the challenges communities have is after they've started to know who each other really is, and then they start to realize that they disagree with each other a little bit, that it can be a kind of a little bit chaotic. And we looked at Psalm 139, and in that psalm, the promise is that wherever you go, wherever the chaos is, however far away you try and run, God's going to be there with you right in that place, in that moment, in that time. 
God's going to be right there waiting for you, hoping for you for your best, that you'll learn that you can start to shine, that it's okay to disagree and be fully and wholly who you are right in the midst of others. And what the group had to learn was they invited this new character unique in with them. They had to learn that whenever you invite a new person in, you have to start all over again. Because if you don't, then you're not allowing them to be who they are and bring their gifts, their graces into the community with them. Whenever we open the doors and bring new people in, we're willing to be transformed. We're willing to have that change happen in our lives. If we're not willing, then you know what? They don't stay. They just walk out the doors as soon as they come in. So they had to learn in that first stage, will they invite this new person in? Will they invite them in with all their talents? And in that psalm, it had that, that promise to them, even in your chaos, you can't run away from me. I'll be right there with you in the middle of it all. I formed you all, all of you, all y'all. I formed you <laughs> in your mother's womb. Before you even saw daylight, I knew who you were. And together, together, I'm reaching out to all of you. Then last Sunday, we got to the third form of community building or growing. It may not sound like growth, but it is. Because the first stage, we weren't truthful with each other, that pseudo-community. Second stage, we're in chaos. We we're being truthful with each other, but we didn't know if we could hold it together. Okay, and we could be hospitable still in the midst of differences. And in the third stage, sometimes you just hit these challenges and these problems where you don't know if there's a solution or not. And the only way to make it through that stage is to be vulnerable, to allow yourself to be empty, and to allow yourself to listen to God. In that place in community's growth, sometimes people want to organize things better. Sometimes people want to go back to the way things were, because that's when it was good. Sometimes think people do anything they can to avoid that empty feeling, that emptiness. When right there in the moment of that emptiness and that vulnerability is where we can hear God's voice. Right there in that place of emptiness. So these are stages of community by Scott Peck. And there go pseudo-community, chaos, emptiness. And he says it's through that moment of finally letting go of all of our ways to fix it that we can hear God and reach out to each other and in that experience, find out what real community is. What the kingdom is we're called to build. What the kingdom is that God wants us to create. That's when we experience it, is when we're able to then finally, what are we doing? Back to step one, trusting, trusting God in all these places in our lives. So in this Glee series, we see this wonderful family, two-person family of Bert and Kurt, father and son, you know, when, when the son came out to the father, the father said, oh, I know, I've known since you were three years old. You could probably tell from that teacup exercise, don't you think? I've known since you were three years old. You know? and, it was, and it was this family that they'd been together on their own for a long time that had to open up when all of a sudden Bert falls in love and might get remarried again. You know, can they do that? Be the hospitable. Life will change. They'll all be transformed. But they take the steps. And they go ahead and invite new people into their family. Then we get to this wonderful conversation about the birds and the bees that can only be had in the way it was had because of all of those experiences that led up to that moment. All of the conversations, all of the times when Kurt fell off the bike and Bert picked him up or had tea together, 
all of those times that were precious, where each time you're building an experience of trust and wholeness with the other person so that you in the end can have conversations with them, fully who you are, fully who they are, and you can listen to one another. Trust doesn't get built in a day. And communities, I want to tell you, families and communities that become whole move at what I call the speed of trust. Move at the speed of trust, which means they don't race. It means they build the experiences and the relationships and the conversations that matter. So when those deeper conversations need to happen or experiences in life come up, they can have the conversations they'd rather avoid and tell each other, you know, you matter. I'm having this conversation with you because you matter. Now on the clip, it was about the birds and the bees. And the father told the son, I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that all the things you do, all the choices you make, affect your heart. Whatever it feels like, whatever you're doing in the moment, it affects your heart. I want you to know it, that you matter, and I want you to know this truth, that it affects your heart. Well, people of resurrection, I want to say that's about more than the birds and the bees. That's about all the decisions we make in our life. Whether we fling the doors wide and open pe help people come in, whether we put walls up and keep people out, whether we share what we have with others, our resources, our money, whether we hoard it, whether we use our time in ways that support others' welfare and wholeness, or whether we don't. In all our lives, all the decisions we make, the way that we make those choices affect our heart, whether we're pushing people away or whether we're allowing people and community to develop around us. It affects our heart. If we choose to give to the person who asks us for money or not, it may seem like a simple decision, but it affects our heart. Whether we choose to have sex for 30 days in a row, like Reverend Kristen's suggesting or not. My, my. <laughs> it affects our heart. And it matters. All of these things you do in your life. To create a community, every single one of them matters. And it affects your heart individually. It affects your family's heart. And it affects this community of faith's heart. Because if we're building those open doors, if we're building those connections, if we're choosing to use our resources in ways that connect instead of separate, we are building the kingdom of God. And it affects our heart. Can you feel that within your own being, within your own soul? Do you know it's true whenever you said no at times and then thought it was the wrong thing to do? It affected your heart. Oh, goodness. It's one of those community lessons that we learn at every stage and keep learning over and over and over again. That we matter is at the core of it. That others matter is the other piece of it. And that all of our relationships, whatever decisions we're making, affects our heart and our being. Now, the thing about community in this last stage, if they've gone through pseudo-community, gone through the chaos and the emptiness to start to listen and discern God's will for them, you know, you remember last week, Reverend Kristen, out of the depths, they've climbed the hill together, reaching out to hold one another's hand as they do so to find healing. Even when people struggle and don't go in a direct path to growth, you've been in those relationships, but continue 
to walk with them along the way. When you're in those places and in those ways, being a community, then there's another lesson to learn. It's the lesson how to embrace and to hold one another with an openness, compassion, and flexibility. Have you been with someone who holds you so tight you can't breathe? Or maybe in a church that holds you so tight you can't breathe? Or in a job? Or in a family? A community that's healthy holds you in such a warm and open embrace that you're able to be fully who you are as they are fully who they are. It's a willingness to release to God that which we don't know. Which, you know what? We don't know nothing. But God is with us as we do that adventure together. God is with us in those moments and times. Can we be that kind of community, that kind of people, even in our own homes, where we hold with such loving care and openness and flexibility that our people we know matter, know that they matter from us and are encouraged to be whole and fully who they are. And in so doing, you know what? We give us the gift of being whole ourselves. Every family, every church has those challenges. One of our great ministries here at this church, and you may not be aware of it, is that we have people who come here who have been refused from their own communities and from their own families. They spend time with us. They hear this you matter stuff, and God is love, and you are beautiful. And from that Psalm 139, you're known by God from before you ever saw light. They hear these wonderful messages and, and words, and we hope that they find that healing that they matter, that it overcomes all the voices they've had before. Sometimes those people stay, and they become leaders in the church, and they become people who make new ministries happen in different ways. Sometimes those people hear that message, and our prayer is that they take it so to their heart that they then leave. They might take that job out of town somewhere else. They might actually have gone through a divorce and it's too hard to come here because they might see their partner. They might make some other choice that takes them somewhere else. But what our prayer is is that the ministry and good time we've had for them has helped them know that they matter so deeply that when they leave, they leave as missionaries. Missionaries to others that God is love and that you can be whole and that every action you take matters to your heart and to those around you. We want them to go as a healed people into the new adventure of their life. And we want to hold them so openly and compassionately that we allow them to be fully who they are, whether it's sitting in this pew or elsewhere. And please, no, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm telling you how do we hold one another in such love and hope and wholeness that we encourage each other to be fully that shining star God formed us to be in our mother's womb. How do we do that with such joy? Now, in this family, Kurt and Bert hit a challenge. And I want you to see how they handled it. All right. As soon as you find a place to live, I'll ship you the rest of your stuff. And you got enough cash from selling your car to get you through at least two weeks in a motel. And the emergency credit card, which is only for what? Emergencies. Dad, this is silly. I don't have to be in New York to reapply for Niata. So I can find a job that pays me the same amount as a lima bean, but pay 10 times more in rent? Yeah, because it's an adventure. Look, all great artists need a little struggle in their lives. Didn't you tell me that Julia Roberts sold shoes in New York before she made it? Good enough for Pretty Woman, good enough for Kurt Hummel. You scared? Terrified. 
New York is going to be a breeze compared to Lima. Think about all the crap you've been putting up with the last couple of years. You know the difference between this place and New York? Decent bagels. New York is filled with people like you. People aren't afraid to be different. You're going to feel at home there. And if you're not scared, it just means you're not sticking out your neck far enough. You truly are the world's greatest dad. I know. It's written on the coffee mug you got me for Father's Day. Now get out of here. You're going to miss your flight. get to that place of community that has breathing space for us to be ourselves and we hope for one another's best we're in that place is where our heart is full when we know they're doing what they need to do our heart is healed in itself when we release them to be fully who they are and we celebrate with joy in their celebration oh people are crying on the front row stop that <laughs> <laughs> that we we know that God is with them and us and that just because there's space between us, that that doesn't mean we're not connected. Because what we've done is we've made choices that matter. We've made choices to connect instead of choices to disconnect. Choices with our bodies, choices with our resources, choices with our time, choices that says you matter, we matter, this relationship matters, this church matters, this faith matters. Let's hold one another's hand. Climb whatever mountain we need to climb up that hill to the second temple because these psalms we're reading today was from that time when they were coming back out of captivity and they were saying praise you God you're bringing us back home praise praise you God hallelujah you're bringing us back home they had been in the place of chaos they'd been in the place of emptiness and they wrote these last five psalms of the book of psalms in that praise for the second temple can we hold those hands build that place together that place that looks more like god's kingdom than we know today that flexibility that wholeness do you know yet that you matter do you know yet that what you do affects your heart do you know that when we're together holding hands making choices that affect our hearts and we choose to draw that circle wide draw it wider than we can imagine, draw it so wide that the openness to come and go is a part of being whole, that the openness of being fully who we are before God and God within us shines. Thanks be to God that the Psalms are there, that the songs are written. Thanks be to God that God asks us to write our own song as a people of faith. And we're doing that right now in our strategic planning process. You can be a part of it. Lift your voice. Let us sing together. Reach out. You ready to hold hands? Ready to hold hands. Let's build that kingdom together. Amen.